Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey High. The Trojans bounce back. Uh, big win. Must win situation if you want to win the Pac-12. In Tempe, Arizona, defeating Arizona State 48-17. to A thorough beatdown of the Sun Devils who were on a... Sun Devils red hot. USC would not. That was all reversed uh, Saturday night late, Pac-12 after dark uh, in Tempe, Arizona. So we're going to talk with the coach, like I said. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call us at 424-254-9141. Let's call or text 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. Please subscribe on iTunes. The easiest way: iTunes.com slash Parastyle Podcast. But we are on all the different podcasting apps like Google Play and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio, um, Audio Boom, all of those. So we do appreciate you listening, and we're going to try to get to all of your questions. And Coach Harvey Hyde is going to do his best to answer them all. What is up, Coach? How you doing? Well, here we go. It's always easy to do it when you get a W. I always just say that. I used to say W's mean a lot. I know sometimes you win ugly. Sometimes you win in style. Uh, but when you get that W, it really makes a difference. And this keeps, uh, well, it really stops the bleeding uh, for USC. It's a must-needed win. Let me put it to you that way. And then the way that Notre Dame was successful yesterday in beating North Carolina State, you can somehow... You know, talk about justifying the loss that you got, not really justifying it, but saying, as I said after the game, I thought they're a real good football team, and they may make uh, the playoffs. I really believe they're executing so well. But it was a great win whenever you can win, whenever you can uh, uh, be successful and score 48 points, and Ole a shoot a 17, and seven of those points I somehow wonder how or if they were watching the same game I was watching, but... Uh, at the end of half, I didn't agree with that call whatsoever. Uh, but uh, seven and two, five and one on the year, first place in the Pac-12 South. Uh, it's uh, better than a lot of teams in the country. Certainly is, Coach. And uh, nice bounce back uh, by the Trojans. And before we jump into everything, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com if you need tickets for anything. Homecoming's coming up Saturday. Uh, We'll talk about that in a bit, a uh, little bit with Arizona. You can go to sctickets.com to get your tickets there or call them at 1-800-888-7287. If you want to go to like the theater or a play or something like that too, music, uh, you want to go to a concert. My wife just went to Zach Brown Band over the weekend at Hollywood Bowl. Um, you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out. All right. Well, coach, we have a little bit of breaking news. Do we got sound effect there now? I downloaded that. Um, wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, so USC moved up a little bit in the polls. Uh, Both AP and coaches poll. USC is number 17 as of this morning. And we have the game time was announced for the the homecoming game I just mentioned. USC and Arizona, because both teams are on a a hot streak, uh, it got one of the later games. So it's now a 7.45 p.m. again uh, kickoff on ESPN. So it's not a road game. I won't be – I was telling coach off the air – to go to, so I flew into Tempe, you know, flew into Phoenix uh, in the morning on Saturday, left the press box about 2.30 in the morning by the time we finished all our work, or, or at least finished what we could do, and went right to the airport and had a 5.20 flight, uh, recorded a podcast in the airport. It's a non-emergency. It was a re- I called it a reverse emergency podcast, Coach, because there was it was certainly not an emergency. But I had two hours to kill in the, in the airport before my flight left, so I recorded a podcast then. So this is really our second podcast of the day. But I eventually got home. I think it was like 7, a little after 7 o'clock, like showered and stuff, and then just crawled into bed until eh, noonish. <laughs> so it was good. But, uh, yeah, it was a rough trip. But, again, another late uh, start. I can just drive home this time. You don't have to, like, get a flight or anything. But uh, those those late starts can be a little bit of a killer, Coach. Yeah, they do. Uh, I know exactly. Uh, I pulled those all-nighters, and they're tough to do. 
But to give them another 745 kickoff, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I do a show called the Trojan Football Report immediately following, I thought, most of the games that the Trojans play. This one I did at halftime, okay? (laughs) Uh, I did. It was a halftime type of, you know, give everybody an update on what's happening at halftime. And uh, I'm sure the next one will be the same type of thing. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You have two teams here that are playing for first place in the Pac-12 South, and you get a 745 kickoff. People will be on campus all day trying to, uh, you know, do their family gather gatherings and do whatever they need to do on homecoming, and then have to sit around and wait till 7:45 p.m. for kickoff. I mean, uh, you know, last the other night uh, the game ended, I think, around 10:30, 11. Heck, it's it's two o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. Uh, people aren't watching this game. I mean, what the heck are these people doing? Uh, it's unbelievable how the Pac-12 has put together their television package, uh, their ratings, uh, how many people are watching it. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, yet everybody just sits back and says, Larry Scott's doing a great job. They've all been drinking the porridge. So uh, I, I just I just don't understand it. Of course, you know, we're going to watch the game and we're going to break it down, but can you imagine the team sitting around all day and the fans sitting around all day to watch this football game and, and the kids? It's really not fair to the kids because they got to, you know, go to bed and time they go to bed, well, the SC probably got back at 3 or 4 in the morning and then they, they got to get up today and watch their videos and then go to school tomorrow. So it's a tough, tough time to play a football game. I don't understand it. Yeah, it's going to be tough uh, two weeks in a row. Uh, it is homecoming. Now, I know some of the homecoming fans, uh, tailgating fans, didn't want to have the 1230 slot. And if USC lost, I think it was more likely for something like that. But this is a, quote, unquote, uh, better uh, slot. Um, so, yeah, but it's it's tough. I think playing that late, at least it's a home game. Unlike uh, you have to go on the road. But this team definitely looked ready, Coach. And I thought we should probably... Uh, you know, jump into some of the questions and kind of get your thoughts, and we'll we'll just talk about the game. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. So we got a couple text questions, and he didn't leave an, a name, but I'll read them to you, and then we can uh, answer them. How much of a disadvantage was the absence absence of Kalen? He said Bassage, but he means Kalen Balage uh, for ASU. So he's their star running back who apparently had some sort of virus, and I think he had one catch or something, but wasn't uh, the workhorse. Demario Richard ended up being that. Um, but if uh, if uh, Balaj played, do you think USC still would have won? And he said Sam Darnold is so good on rollouts, why doesn't he roll out more often? Well, uh, I don't think it made a difference in the game. That kid's a big, strong, 6'3", 220-pound running back, but that wasn't going to make the difference in this game as far as winning or losing for Arizona State. I mean, their total yardage rushing, I don't know what it was, it was below 100 yards, and I don't think he'd have gotten maybe if you gave him 50 more, do you think that would have made a difference in the game? I don't believe so. I think what the game plan of the defense was, and we'll get into that later, finally was one that contained and put pressure up the middle and also stopped the run. It was something that that I was thought that was a, a, a pretty good defense. I was really uh, con- concerned about the quarterback running the football as they did the week before on keeps, but he they didn't do that this week at all. They had no thought of running the football whatsoever as far as with the keeps and so on. But though I don't think that that makes a difference at all as far as in the game. Uh, it would have made sure it makes a difference as far as their team, but I don't think that made any difference as far as in the outcome of the game. What was the second half of that question? Uh, so uh, Sam Darnold on the rollouts. Oh, yeah. Well, Sam, when he rolls out, we used to call that a tear, not a sprint, because a sprint you really go out and it's a run-pass option. It's a, it's a tear, and the reason they went to that was because of pass protection and they were worried about the blitzing and stunning and not being able to block the fronts of uh, Arizona State. Later on, they found out they could. So what they were doing is trying to roll away or tear away from the inside pressure that was going to be coming up the middle and throw those type of routes they were throwing as far as the the stop routes, the out routes, uh, the corner routes, routes like that. So that's what they were doing, and they actually went left, too. They went right, and they went left, and they stretched the field with that, which I think is something they've needed to do. And uh, I think that, yes, they can do that more, but uh, 
you know, uh, it worked. And uh, I think it was a smart move as far as them trying to feel them out early in the game. You remember they did that early in the game when they weren't really sure what to expect as far as defensively from Arizona State. Yeah, for sure. Um, the uh, I, I like him. I like him when he's when he's on the move. I think he does that kind of an impromptu thing sometimes, Coach, when he's facing pressure and you see him throwing on the run. Now, maybe he hasn't been as accurate this year as he was last year, but he definitely seems to be more deadly, I guess you could say, when he's outside the pocket. Um, just as far as the, the rushing totals and stuff go, if you do the non-sack adjusted numbers, so uh, Arizona State ended up uh, losing 40 yards on sacks and one was like, a, one of, um, yeah, like 40, 40 yards total. So they actually had 119 yards rushing. Uh, Wilkins had 22, but he ended up losing uh, 31, and they had a team loss of nine. But Demario Richard ended up being, you know, they have a, a one-two punch that's really good. I don't understand the Arizona State running game because I think their backs are too good. The ton of totals they get sometimes. They're sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're really bad. But in this game, Richard had uh, he had the majority of the carries, uh, 15 carries for 70 yards. Um, let's go to a voicemail question, Coach. I'll, I'll play it for you. Here you go. Hey, Ryan, how are you? This is Don from the East Coast calling. Uh, this is for a message for you, of course, and uh, Coach Harvey Hyde. Um, I want to hear a uh, coach's perspective on um, the way the Trojans were tonight. It seemed like to me like they were, they, were, they were the bullies out there tonight. And when you play football, you know, I played a couple of years in high school and, of course, in college. Uh, you got to be the bully out there. If you're not the bully out there, then then, then you're going to get pushed around all over the field. And I felt like this weekend, that's what they became once again. They became the bully, and now to me, they pretty much, you know, it's up to them whether they want to win the Pac-12 or not because clearly if they could keep this up, no one else is going to beat them in the Pac-12. So I just want to see how uh, Coach felt in a great win this weekend, huge win after last weekend. Fight on for the East Coast. Thanks, guys. You know, I agree with you. I think that they were ready to play. I think they had a different uh, uh, glare in their eye. They had another step as far as the way they moved around. I think they got off the football with aggressive. I've never seen them get off the ball that aggressively straight ahead and be able to knock somebody backwards off the ball. When you watch the backs run, I thought they ran really hard. You saw the uh, yards after carry. The receivers, when they caught the football, made the extra effort uh, like Tyler Vaughn did and made a touchdown when he broke his tackle. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think they did play with a different step and a different attitude, a little chip on their shoulder. And uh, I, defensively, they did the same thing. I think you have to have that to be a great football player. You know, they were embarrassed last week. It was a tough thing for them to do. They read the newspapers. They listened to the radio. They listened to podcasts and all of the above. And I think they didn't want to hear that again. And I think they sort of played for Coach Helton, too. If you watch Coach Helton, I thought he was more involved in the game, too, at the same time. So uh, I thought it was uh, a better game plan. I thought there was more rhythm in their game plan, both offensively and defensively, and it made sense. So the uh, reason why the passing game was going well, too, is because the running game was going. It just makes sense. And they ran stretch plays where they spread the field left and right. And how many times have we been saying as far as just, just let Sam run the football just once in a while. So he kept the ball and got 39 yards. They didn't have to worry about it again, but they had to then remember that what he just had done. So there's a lot of things they did they hadn't done before, but I think they figured out they have to do it. I agree with you there, Coach. Um, let's see. Keith in New Jersey emailed in. He said, uh, hoping next week is not a 1045 Eastern kickoff because he's from New Jersey. And uh, unfortunately, Keith, <laughs> it is, like we just said. He said, great win last night. Uh, I have a theory as to why our Trojans are this Jekyll and Hyde team uh, from one week to the next. He said, it's not just USC. You look at others in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. The college football season is too long and far more demanding on the kids than ever before. It has taken its toll and did so as early as week one nationwide. Camp starting in July, games on Thursday and Friday nights, conference games a two-hour flight away on a consistent basis for too many programs. I put the blame on conference realignment as well as ESPN and rabid fan bases and boosters. Uh, do you agree at all, Coach Hyde? Fight on Keith in New Jersey. I do agree. 
I do agree. I think there's far too much going on as far as in the summer months. Like I've always said, let a kid be a kid and enjoy himself and do something different and get away from his teammates and get away from a football. I'm not saying you don't work out in the weight room and you don't run and you're not ready to go back to camp. But you need a break mentally and physically. Your body needs to mend and rest. And your mind has to be looking forward to football, not tired of football before you start. I've said that all along. And before that, these kids that come in, the freshman kids that come in, they've been doing camps 12 months a year. They're not playing the football season. They're going to this camp and this all-star camp and that all-star camp and another all-star camp. I mean, my gosh, enough's enough. How much do you have to see of a kid to decide if he's a football player? So I think it's way too much. They ought to limit that. And this year they had a week extra as far as early fall camp, which nobody liked. Everybody got sick of that. You were practicing too long. And also I think that what's affected the kids, too, and affected the game of football, you won't let kids play football anymore. And I think that's another reason why kids are getting hurt more. Their body cannot get accustomed to playing football and getting hit. Instead of having a, a accident three or four times a, a week when you scrimmage or you practice live, you're having it once a week just on Saturday where your body doesn't get used to the blows and the things that are necessary that you're going to receive on a Saturday. So I think a lot of the things that are reversing from what people think are helping a football player or a kid as far as safety. Uh, because you're really uh, taking him away from what really happens on a Saturday when you practice uh, live. You take that away from him, he's not getting the real effect of what's going to happen on Saturday. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of time wasted. I really believe there's a lot of time wasted. And the energy of a football player, the coaches themselves, the coaches get burned out. Everyone is burned out. They need to have a break. We have a uh, quick one from Cecil, Coach. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the Hail Mary and everything that happened right before the half? Oh, man, I, I tell you, I, I've never seen a mess like that. That was really a mess. I don't know. I mean, I could clearly see, and even the announcers, I was watching the game on television. I don't know where you were, Ryan, or what the rumors were going on in the press box or the viewing that you had of it. The, the kid was not in the end zone. He was a yard out of the end zone. I don't know what camera view they had. But the teams were even satisfied with what the call was, but they had left the field. Now, there wasn't any arguing going on. I think that Todd Graham uh, challenged it, whether it cost him nothing, and challenged it, and it went upstairs, and the guys upstairs reversed the call. Now, when you reverse a call, there, there's got to be, there's not a shadow of a doubt that they missed it. No way did they make that call properly, uh, the officials on the field. What are you talking about? Where did you get this without a doubt? I mean, uh, to me, uh, that's too bad, and I think it changed the momentum of the game as far as for USC. Arizona State came out and drove down and got a touchdown immediately, and I said, oh, gosh, don't be flat. In fact, I tweeted out at halftime for my tweet. I just said one word, finish, which means don't come out flat. Don't come out just trying to win. Come out trying to, or trying to just win the game. Come out and try to play the same type of football game that you play. Don't become conservative where all of a sudden somebody can catch up and beat your butt. And they didn't. They still went out and they threw the ball and they did the things that are necessary to be the hammer, not the nail. So I thought that was a terrible call, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, let's see, Neil and Manila, what is the coach's opinion on how USC just runs the ball to run out the clock and not throwing the ball at all when the game is in hand? Uh, thanks, fight on, Neil and Manila. I think he wants to to, to pile on, I guess. Well, I'll tell you my feeling on that. I saw that happening at the same time when Matt Fink was in the game. And, you know, Coach Helton is a good guy, okay? He felt that they had won the football game and he didn't want to run it up or he's afraid what Todd Graham might say or what the media might say. If you throw the ball and get, get the idea he wants to get in the 50s or run the score, that goes through your mind as a coach. But you want to have the coach appreciate what you've done and say, okay, we didn't run it up on you. We're playing everybody, which they were. The third string guy, second string guy, they're all in the game. And and Todd Graham, I call Todd Graham, 
because he's the head coach. They come in the game. They bring in Burnett, the, their quarterback, the one of the transfers from Arizona State, and they start throwing the ball. Like, hey, well, thank you. We passed up a field goal. We didn't try to score. We're trying to run the clock out so no one else gets hurt. You've got guys hurt. We've got guys hurt. Let's just call it a day. He comes out and starts throwing the ball. When when we intercepted that pass, or when USC ended that intercepted pass, who was that, Langley? Uh, who, no. Oh, you know, you Ross, right? Kelly Ross, yeah. Yeah, when he intercepted that, I cheered. I said, get in the end zone. Just get in the end zone. So the whole thing backfired on him. And I, I would tell him, I would have told him at the end of the game, too. I would have gone out and said, hey, coach, we didn't want to score, but thank you. We got one anyway. Because he wasn't happy that we were trying to, you know, just get the game over with. Yeah. What, what was he going to try to win the game? All it could do is jeopardize someone else getting hurt. So why do that? So I was so happy when Ross ran that into the end zone. That should have gone for two. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice moment. I'm sure Neil would love to hear that. I'm sure Neil loves love hearing that, that you would have gone for two there, Coach. Um, we got another text question. He said, hello, Ryan. This is a question for the coach. Just wanted to see what he thought of the play calling and how much fun the players looked like they were having. I love the vibe, but don't want to get ahead of ourselves before this big week. Please share your thoughts, uh, guys. Eddie from Whittier, beat the Wildcats. Eddie, I thought their play calling had more rhythm. I think they stretched the field. If you notice, they, they ran outside a lot. They made some big plays outside several times. Jones did on the long touchdown round. It run, he ran outside and broke it. Malapii ran outside, and then they, they sort of closed that down because they were adjusting it. They had to play it. Then the whole inside game went. Now, when you're running inside and you're running outside, now you're stretching the field. You've always heard me say, stretch the field. Make them cover the whole field. Before USC wasn't doing that, then the play-action pass worked well because they had the uh, run going well. Uh, they got big plays. They gave the extra effort. The offensive line was getting off the line. Uh, receivers were blocking. Uh, like Stevie Mitchell was doing like what, the way he blocked when Jones was running for a touchdown. Smart. Nobody clipped on a big play. We had one holding. Uh, on, a, on a touchdown, and what I loved about that, you had a touchdown on that. Then the next play, he came back and scored another touchdown, which showed a lot of class with Jones running one in for a touchdown. So, yeah, I thought the rhythm was better. I thought the play calling was better. I didn't get to see if they had changed anything on their short yardage. I was thinking about the short yardage, if they made any corrections on that as far as what they might go to if it was down on the goal line or if it was fourth and one or any of that type of thought. But as far as the play calling itself, I thought it was a lot better as far as the rhythm and as far as stretching the field. Yeah, it just looked like night and day. I mean, they were they were just having much more fun out there. So that's the way you want to see them play. Uh, unfortunately, they've only looked good like really two of, the, two of the nine games, but they looked really good on this one. Um, here's a voicemail for you, Coach. Hey, Ryan. Paul from Ohio. This, this calls for you and Coach Harvey Hyde. Good win. Um, very encouraged to see the, the guys still fighting out there. I still have one thing that bothers me. It, it still seems like there, there's a lack of coaching. Um, and a couple of examples are a bad pass and, and getting patted on the back. Then it's okay, we'll get them next time. Or a drop. Or, or worst example is the end of the first half, Hail Mary reception. What was obviously a touchdown. And Clay spent more time arguing with the refs instead of and I don't know what he said in the locker room, but it appeared that it wasn't a big deal to the team. And I just just want to know what Harvey's thoughts are on the kids coming off the field after a wasted play, missed block, drop ball, bad pass, and the coach telling them it's not acceptable, a la Brian Kelly last week on the drop ball. Thanks, Ryan. Great show. Fight on. Well, you know, uh, uh, I don't watch that close. I do watch, but uh, there's time that you holler. There's time that you uh, put your armor on a guy. And there's a, you, you know when you, when you look at his eyes, if he's ready to cry, and uh, yelling isn't going to do you any good. Or if he's got some smirk on his face or something like it, then you know, I'm going to say, well, what's so funny? Do you realize what you just let us all down? What the hell's going on? You got to catch that football. 
God gave you hands to catch footballs, nothing else, or whatever else. A stern statement, but not doesn't have to be, you know, one that uh, that destroys him. But I think that uh, I think when you coach the line, that's a whole different thing. The line's got to be angry all the time, and they got to be mad at me all the time, so they get mad at the other guy. Because I want them to know I'm watching every single step, everything they do, every minute of the day. They think they they sleep at nights thinking of me. Oh my gosh, he's going to holler at me in the morning. I'm ready for it. So, because you got to have guys that play the, both sides of the football. Uh, that's where football games are won and lost, guys. The other guys are artists. The other guys, are, yeah, their 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 abilities are to run fast, catch footballs. Uh, read zone, read the things, do make big plays. The offensive guys and the defensive line guys are down there. You know, they'd play without a helmet on if they could. They just want to play football. So uh, it depends what it takes to motivate people. Sometimes you can't yell at a kid because he quits listening to you. If he's been yelled at a lot, he's not listening. You got to find each person. Each kid is different on how you talk to him to get him to perform. So that's an art, and a coach has got to understand what that art is as far as each one of his kids to get the performance out of him. And the kid's got to know that you really care about him. You really do care about him, and when you do this, he'll love you for it later on, and he'll love you forever. So uh, uh, that's what you have to do, and that's how you do it. you got to know your players. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. We got one from Tarek. Jordan Iacefa did well at Predator uh, against Arizona State. Could you see him replacing Yuchenna and Wusu after the season? Well, uh, maybe. I still think a guy to be a great player to play there is Levi Jones. Do I bring this up every show? Yeah. I, I, I think I bring <laughs> this up every show. I, I just don't know how you can keep this type of gifted athlete uh, on the uh, – sideline if you keep watching i don't know how many of you keep watching brandon play play he's getting better every single play he got off the ball he was knocking their guys right back into the backfield uh he's he's finding out now how big and strong he really is and what he could do i think having for two back helped a lot he might be able to take play that but i think he's going to have to go inside because they're going to need inside help and I think they can find outside guys. I really do. I don't think anybody will replace Wallace 242 uh, that I currently see on the team. He's a complete football player. Those two sacks in a row, I loved it. Yeah, the announcer says, he jumped off sides on that play. I said, the hell he did. <laughs> he just got off the football. He went right by that tackle, dropped his shoulder, and went right in and got two sacks. And when he does that, he doesn't get credit for the other sacks that Green gets and other guys because he forces the quarterback to step up. And when he steps up, he steps right into the defensive guards and tackles. Then he also tipped a pass in that game. I don't know how many he's tipped this year, maybe nine. Plus he intercepted one. So uh, I don't know if you can replace him. I thought Porter Justin helped the team a lot last night. He brought some, brought something off the edge. I think that was good to see him back in the lineup. He didn't play every down, but I think having him back there was good for the the team on the defensive side of the football. And for the first time, like I said earlier, I saw containment and I saw a push from the inside, something I've been talking about for a long time as far as getting off the ball and penetrating. And I saw that last night. Yeah, we saw it, and it was a, it was definitely different. And I think Porter Gustin gave this team a spark uh, that they really didn't have before. Um, we had a couple people write in, Otis uh, and BK Trojan in Texas, kind of about the comments you made last week about the uh, the customization of the team uniforms and like the, what the coaches were wearing. And I, I did see some comments that it looked like the coaches were all kind of wearing the same thing. Did you have any thoughts on this game? Was it, did it look any different? Well, it didn't look any different to me, but uh, I guess I guess that's not important. Yeah. Uh, I think if it's important, you do it. If it's not important, you know, some people say, oh, that's not important. Okay. 
But I think it's important that you, you look like a, a team. I think it's important you travel as a team. I think it's important you act as a team in everything you do. You eat as a team. You pray as a team. You celebrate as a team. And you're sad as a team. And I think part of your look, too, also demonstrates that. The way you walk, the way you talk, uh, the way you represent your jersey number, your, your sweatshirt you wear. And I think that's part of it. They have the classiest sideline in college football. I think that's what people look at and people will talk about it. How did I notice it? Because that's what my teams used to have. Maybe sometimes we didn't play with a damn, but we sure look good being bad. And I, I don't want to use it as that type of thought, but you want to be good, but you also want to be who you are and represent the tradition and look good on the sideline as a player or as a coach. We got one from SC Made, Coach. He said, uh, in your opinion, what is important at USC? Winning national championships, making the playoff, or just winning the Pac-12 South and possibly the Pac-12? From my point of view, the BCS now gone is now gone. The playoff, uh, or, uh, and with the playoff change, winning the Pac-12 title is not enough. Our goal should be a playoff spot and a chance to be a national champion. Uh, what does it say to you to see... You're a Pac-12. Say you're a Pac-12 champion. If you're not one in the Final Four, uh, that comment should be eliminated from Helton's vocabulary. Pac-12 is a joke, and being happy with just that is not enough. Playoffs should be the goal every year, and I feel that our man Lin Swan feels the same way. As he made, he actually he wanted both of our opinions. I mean, just real quick, um, I think winning the Pac-12 is a is a great goal, and I, I don't devalue that at all. And I think on many occasions, if you win the Pac-12 you're going to go uh, to the college football playoff. And, and since USC hasn't won the Pac-12, I certainly think that's a, a reasonable goal uh, for this season. But get your uh, thoughts on that, Coach. Well, you know, to win a national championship, you got to win the Pac-12. Uh, USC used to say our second home is the Rose Bowl. Instead of turning right to go to the Coliseum, we turn left and we go to Pasadena. I think you've got to always think that that's the number one thing you want to do every year. And if you're fortunate enough to get to the Rose Bowl, you've had a great year. You've either a Pac-12 champion or they're having the playoff game in the Rose Bowl. Like this year, they would have played in the Rose Bowl. they got to look at it. Now, you don't start the season saying we're going to win a national championship. You think you may, but you've got to win your Pac-12 championship first. And you've got to think about that as your number one goal to be successful, you got to win a championship, and that's a Pac-12 championship. You could go undefeated, and you might not be selected to go to a championship playoff game. I mean, I don't know if that'll happen, but I'll assume it could happen. It could happen at Wisconsin. They could justify that they didn't play a tough enough schedule. So I think you've got to play well enough uh, to win a Pac-12 championship, I think that's the number one goal you want to do, and from that you hope you get more from it. Yeah, I uh, agree with you there, Coach. Let's see. We have um, oh, so there's a little confusion. We have two uh, people that listen that are named Brian that live in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and they have different viewpoints and uh, they sign on differently. So I think there was a little confusion. I'll read the and we have an email from each one. So Brian and Beham checking in. He's the SC fan in SEC country. Question for the coach. If the season were to end today, would you take an underachieving 7-2 and two team over a 5-4 and four team that has been progressively getting better and playing up for big games? Keep in mind, the 5-4 and four team uh, would not be bowl eligible. Actually, they would be, but um, all right. Anyway, go Trojans. Uh, well, they wouldn't be bowl eligible yet, but you think they could be. Go Trojans beat Arizona from Brian and Beham. Well, I would assume I, I want to get better every week. Don't get me wrong, but I like that seven and two record regarding uh, compared to five four record. Uh, I think uh, records mean a lot. You know, people always don't say who'd you play this year. They always say what was your record, and then you always remember the two games you lost. I don't want to remember four games I lost. Okay, I want to remember the two and try to eliminate those happening never again. So my feeling is, yes, we got to get better. But as far as looking at a record, I'd rather be seven and two, and then five and four, saying we play the same schedule, uh, than uh, the other way. 
Okay, and then we have uh, Brian in Birmingham. He says, I don't really have much on the ASU game. I was out uh, doing Halloween with the family. Coach Hyde, my question is, why does why do you think Les Miles wasn't picked up by anyone in the offseason or offered a head coaching job? And what are the chances he remains available into next season? No one wants to see anyone lose their job, but USC needs to do some soul-searching. The fans don't have the time or the patience to grow up with a young, inexperienced head coach. They obviously have talent, and final, the final score shows that. Lynn Swan should wash his hands of the previous administration once and for all, regardless of the rest of the season, and hire someone outside the SC family. This would be a significant upgrade in staff. Uh, and while folks may question his offense for not being flashy, many teams still have success with two tight ends or fullback sets. I would imagine his next stint could include some spread concepts if needed. USC would have a core principle and identity, power run, excellent defense and special teams, and mistake-free fundamentals, similar to Alabama. Also, I have never heard anyone say a less miles run team was soft or not physical. He's a big fish swimming unclaimed by anyone. And as far as Clay goes, uh, better coaches have been let go from programs for far less. Brian and Birmingham... Hire the Matt, hashtag hire the Matt Hatter. Man, USA gets this blowout win. It, it must win in back to South. And Brian still wants to get rid of Clay. But what do you think, Coach? Well, I think at the end of the year, you evaluate everything. You evaluate your program. I think if Clay Helton goes 10 and 2, gets into the championship game, I think he's safe. Now, then you have to go and evaluate your situation on where you are. Did you get better? All the things we've been talking about. And all the things you people out there have been thinking about as far as how you can improve this team and why did you lose two football games and then why didn't you play up to the level that everybody expects you to play up to? Was it the players? Was it the coaches? What is it? And if you need to make uh, certain changes, you're going to make those changes. I, I think Brian Kelly was faced with that a year ago. I think their athletic directors and the president told him, hey, buddy, you got one chance. We don't accept four and eight. We're not going to do that again. You got to make some changes, otherwise you're gone. And if you know what he did there, he made some changes. He changed the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the special teams coordinator, and the strength coach. And now, if you watch him sit around, he doesn't call any plays. He doesn't sit around. He game manages the game. And right now, uh, the way I look at them, they could possibly be in the the Final Four. In fact, they, they are a very physical, great football team. They beat North Carolina State this weekend, as everybody knows, and they're a really good football team. So, you know, I'm not looking to see someone get fired. I'm looking to see people get better, the program get better. And how do you get better? Les Miles is an outstanding coach, but how do we know that he'll be good at the University of Southern California? Does he know the coaches out here? Will he bring staffs from around here? I think that's one thing you have to do is have local contacts. You have to hire people that know Southern California, your main recruiting base area, and all of that. So I think you've got to look. Uh, I think Les Miles will coach again, but he'll never coach at the level of LSU. I don't think, unless someone in the Southeastern Conference, like like the opening today of the Florida opening or one of those type of jobs, you know, in the Southeastern Conference, they just move around. Doesn't make any difference what happened or why you were let go. If they think you can win, they're going to hire you. So I would think that his name is going to surface down there at Florida and other jobs down there because he did win football games and he did know how to recruit. And a great program there when he was there. Just didn't somehow he got off on the wrong track there and they didn't get the right quarterbacks in there and the right offensive coordinator to win at the level that they wanted to win at. But that didn't mean he'll be a great fit at USC. And I think right now that what everyone should be looking at is not getting rid of a coach, but finding a way to make that program better. And I'm sure that Coach Helton is probably meeting with his own staff as well as other people that he respects in areas of his football program that needs to get better. And I think right now he's hoping to win out and win the Pac-12 championship so he'll be given that opportunity because you never know for sure what your opportunities are, so you got to play game by game and see just what happens at the end. All right, Coach, we've got one last thing to talk to you about. We'll let you go here on a Sunday. Um, like I said, we had uh, I already did a, a non-emergency, a reverse emergency podcast. You can check that out on peristylepodcast.com or uscfootball.com. This is our regular show with Coach Harvey Hyde. We want to look ahead to Arizona. Um, 
We had two questions regarding that. I'll read them both. Nick in Cyprus said he had a great win, loved being in there in Tempe for the USC route uh, by throwing the ball to tight ends, tailbacks, blocking, etc. But the million-dollar question is, Coach, how would you stop Khalil Tate of Arizona next week for the de facto Pac-12 South title? And then Curtis Marino Valley, he said, um, how do you feel about mixing zones with their normal containment defense? We have a great man uh, cover guys, but you can't turn your back on Khalil Tate. Let's see if he can stay in the pocket and pick our zones apart. I don't think he has that kind of poise and accuracy in zone defenses. Uh, players will be dropping into their zones. Watch the quarterback. With our speed, he won't get away if we are already watching him. Maybe the coach saw that defense used against Randall Cunningham at UNLV. Fight on. <laughs> Curtis and Marino Valley. So get your thoughts on Khalil Tate, who's like taking the nation by storm. Well, um, uh, let me put it to you this way. He has, and he's a tremendous, he's a great running back playing quarterback. That's the way I look at it. So his main threat is what? Take the runaway. I'm not worried about the pass with him. I'm worried about stopping the run with him and the running backs to play with him with a two-back set, but one line's at a different position. And they get the openings through him running up the middle or running to the outside. And you, as you mentioned, playing a lot of man, where you're chasing your receiver and, and he's chasing you down the field and you don't even recognize that he's running the football. So playing zone is a good idea. Playing more zone, force him to beat you throwing the ball. You've got to get up there and you've got to be able to stop the run you got to mix it up on him, and you can't block him down. I've watched him. He's a very strong runner. And USC did a little bit of that against Arizona State. They tried to block a lot of their tackles down by throwing their body in there. You know what a block type of tackle is. they got to wrap up. you got to wrap up on this guy. you got to get your shoulder in there, and you got to wrap up. you got to knock him to the ground, or at least you got to hold him till help comes. If you try to make the big, ooh, tackle, you're going to be laying there on the ground. So you've got to be able to be smart in the way you tackle this guy. You've got to be able to surround him, and you've got to force him to throw the football to beat you. If you allow him to run up and down the field, you're going to have a long afternoon. But this guy, when he does get in the opening, he I don't know how fast he is, but I haven't seen anybody catch him in the films that I've seen. Now, I haven't seen all the games because they haven't been on many TV games that I've seen. But I think he'll be a challenge because they uh, – they feel good about themselves. They're playing for the Pac-12 championship, too. And if you know Rodriguez, uh, he's a, a te- up-tempo guy, I guess I should say. And his play- teams play with that up-tempo attitude. And I think they look at this as a great opportunity for them to win the Pac-12 championship and get into the championship game. So I think it's going to be a great football game. I think it would be a great game. And, again, the unexpected. You don't know what to expect as far as what Pentagrass will run or what the offense will do because, you know, I'm looking for a two weeks or three weeks in a row of a consistent great game. And, by the way, the special teams last night, except for the missed field goal, I think played well. And we should say that when they do something well as far as touchbacks, uh, coverage on the kickoff returns, the punt uh, returns, the fair catch, uh, Nice return on one. Uh, all of that, I thought, was uh, nicely done. The punt, especially one rolled out about the one-yard line or two-yard lines. I think he averaged, uh, I think they only punted twice, and he averaged 48 yards a punt. That's pretty good. So let's give notice to that, too. I do think, too, since no one asked this question, I thought the tight end, Petit, in the slot, and the seam route is something that could be done. It's a mismatch when you look away and come back and hit him. I thought they might do that again, but they didn't. I think you have to take advantage of mismatches against teams like that with your big receivers. And right now, if you watch USC play, they don't have burners at the receivers, okay? Let's face it. They're not burners, but they're big targets, and they run good after they catch the ball, but they're big and they're hard to bring down. So you've got to take advantage of where you put the ball so they can go up and catch the ball. I think Penn State does it better than anybody, the way they put the ball up there and they go up and get it. I think USC's got to throw those type of routes to your big receivers, too, to make it happen and take advantage of your tight ends. But basically your tight ends are just called what I call big receivers. They're not great blockers. So you've got to put them in a position where they can do what they can do. So 
I know no one asked that question, so I just put it out there. No, like, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to, uh, something else you wanted to discuss? Because it certainly was, it was a, it was a big win, and, and, you know, if there's something else you saw that you wanted to share with us, well, we'd love to hear I, it. I, I was really happy with the defense. You know, they had six three and outs. You know, that's great when you have six three and outs. I mean, the offense didn't even on the field very long, Arizona State. And the time of possession for USC, I really liked. I really liked that as far as holding the ball from Arizona State. Uh, the offensive line, I really liked the aggressiveness. They got out there, and I thought the defensive line played, you know, I'm not saying the best game of the year, but it looked as though as far as staying in your lanes and the way they executed their best game of the year and the penetration they got. Uh, so, And I thought they pressured well. So... Uh, uh, those are the basic things. They got four sacks and one tip, as far as I can remember. Uh, so, you know, I thought they they improved, okay? Now, it's not Notre Dame you're playing, but there's things out there you saw as far as the rhythm and the uh, stretching the field and staying in your lanes and having contain and all those things that are basic football, just basic football. And I saw them doing those things. They actually had six sacks, Coach, uh, three by Green and three by Nwusu. They, Nwusu got all his on one series, which was crazy. Three back – it was like a – Keeley called it the uh, sack trick, you know, three sacks in a row. It was pretty cool. Well, whatever. They got six sacks. That's great. Yeah, it was nice. All right, well, Coach, thanks so much for uh, sharing your thoughts. And it was a much lighter-hearted podcast this week than last week. Uh, fewer questions and fewer – I guess criticisms, they still get some, and, uh, you know, that's not going to go away. But certainly, USC fans hope that this is turning a corner. I think everyone thought that the Stanford game was like, okay, USC's back. And then pretty much every game after that was, ter- you know, they didn't play very well until this Arizona State game. Now it's a big one, another must win if you want to win the South. And, of course, try to win the Pac-12, which, when it was all said and done, for the USC fans that are still kind of like, this sucks and blah, blah, blah. If USC wins out and ends up ten and two, and goes to the Pac-12 championship game and beats a you know a good team there, and you win the and you end up like in the Fiesta Bowl or something like, that's that's pretty good, you know. I mean, if you go to Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl back to back, now there's moments that weren't pretty for sure. Uh, we've been very critical at the time there was, but you know, in reality, if you can beat Arizona State and Arizona back to back weeks the way they've been playing, I think you got to give them credit for that. I agree. I agree. Uh, I think the expectations of this team may have been a little bit too high at first with the preseason's ratings and everybody, you know, pushing Sam for the Heisman Trophy and the podcast he does and all this and all of that. And of course, that all comes from the sports information department because they get that all out trying to get in the Heisman Trophy. But I think there was a little bit too much of all of that. And uh, I think that built everybody up to such a level of what to expect that people had already booked their flights to wherever the national championship game is. I think you got to play the game one at a time and uh, get them done. I agree it was uh, uh, sloppy at times, and we were very critical at times, and I'll continue to do that if it returns to that. And I'll also give the praise of good things that happened too, but that's our job to tell you our opinion. So right now, uh, it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is what it is. And the future is now, as George Allen used to say. So let's see what happens next week. All right. Well, it is what it is, which means another Peristyle podcast in the books. We do appreciate the coach coming on, as always. Make sure you check out SCTickets.com. If you want to go to homecoming, it's going to be a long day of tailgating with a 7.45 p.m. kickoff time for USC and Arizona. But it's going to be a must-watch. you got to watch what can USC do against Sarah High School product Khalil Tate. We'll talk to a lot of those guys uh, this week in practice, a lot of Sarah dudes that played with Khalil Tate in high school. So they know him well. It's not like this USC team is going to be shocked by what they see, but the way he's playing, pretty spectacular. All right, so that's the coach. Oh, did you have another thought, Coach? I was just going to ask you, Is he? did he come out of baseball? Did, was he a baseball player at one time? You know, I don't remember that, Coach. He, he might have been. There was, there was talk about his recruitment as far as who wanted him as a – uh, quarterback who wanted him as an athlete. I think I think Steve Sarkeesian wanted him as an athlete, and then Clay Helton might have came in later, looking more of a quarterback. But they saw what they did with Jalen Green, and I think Michael Lev put it well. Where it's not just about the recruitment; it's about the scheme and the system. It's just Rich Rod's system for his talents is much better suited 
for a quarterback like him that even if he picked USC or some of the other schools, I don't know if this the offense would be set up to showcase him the way the Arizona offense is set up to be. No, you're right. You got to set up your offense to fit your personnel, or you got to set up your offense and then recruit to that offense. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. And uh, that was one of my biggest criticisms the last several years is they're running an offense that doesn't fit a lot of the personnel they're doing. So uh, if they can get that together and they let Sam carry the ball a few more times and stretch the defense and do some things, it's not like you have a guy at quarterback that can you know, run a 4-6 or 4-5, but you got a guy at quarterback that can whip the ball around and keep him honest. So I think that's what you got to attempt to do. All right. Well, that's the coach. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed my second Sunday podcast of the day. Of course, one was four in the morning at the uh, Phoenix airport. But this is our regular one. Hope you guys enjoy both of those shows. We'll get Dan Weber on. We'll do some more podcasts this week. The Family Feud one coming up later in the week with Keeley and Shotgun. Should be some interesting stuff what they were hearing and seeing on the sidelines in Tempe, Arizona, because it was a crazy atmosphere. Um, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.